Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. People hold in everything. And I think it's just something that we're not used to. So, Laura, the way that you're saying, like, it sounds like he did actually an act of service. And then you responded with words of affirmation. I always recommend that. Always express your appreciation. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. We are joined by one of our friends and a podcaster herself this week, Dr. Morgan Levy. Morgan, welcome to Millennial. Hi, thank you. It's so weird to say that I'm a podcaster. Like it's, it's a little unreal. <laughs> it's so weird for me to introduce a doctor on this show. Oh, <laughs> Uh, please don't call me. I mean, thank you for the introduction, but feel free. Just call me Morgan. <laughs> well, actually, tell us about yourself. You are a therapist, right? I am. So I am a clinical psychologist. I live in Florida. So my practice is actually entirely online um, because I happened to start it right before COVID. So it was just an easy transition to go right into a full on fully online practice. Uh, I specialize in something called psychodynamic therapy, which a lot of people might know as the therapy that Freud started, but they don't Ooh. realize that Freud and his theories have sort of evolved over time. So basically what I love to do is to talk to people about their childhoods, their upbringings, to learn what it what shaped them and how it impacts who they are today and their relationships and how they show up in relationships and what sort of changes they might want to make for their futures. I'm wow. about to cry right now because like, this is what I talk about <laughs> in therapy all the time. I was like, I was bullied as a child. How is this affecting me today? <laughs> yeah, all that stuff adds up. And we don't realize that kids are really impressionable. Yeah. I have to wonder, Morgan, um, because you are a longtime listener of not just Millennial, but our other podcasting works over the years. So you've probably heard a lot about our childhood <laughs> as one of our listeners. And I, I just wonder uh, if you have any general thoughts or observations oh my gosh. based on that. Oh, God. <laughs> I would have loved to prepare an answer to that. But, you know, it's funny when I'm not in the therapy room, I feel like I'm just the regular person and I don't really think about things like that. I mean, you know, I say that, but then everybody tells me I'm always a therapist. So I don't know. But I think all of you have been very real. And I think that's what I've really appreciated mm. the most. You're very non-judgmental too. Oh, thank you for saying that. Secretly, Morgan's like, y'all are unhinged. Yeah. And it's good you're still in therapy. <laughs> I've seen your progressive decline over 19 years. I don't even know why I'm on this show right now dealing with y'all. <laughs> so we mentioned your podcast. Tell us about that nerd thing. Yeah. So I started that nerd thing, well, a little bit over a month ago. So in addition to being a therapist, I was really trying to expand the things that I would do outside of the therapy room because I didn't just want to see clients one on one because I just, you know, that would lead to burnout. So I was doing workshops and courses, but it was still in that therapy world and it just wasn't fulfilling and it just wasn't as fun anymore. So then a few months ago, so my mom actually died from cancer like over the summer. And oh, I'm my, sorry. Well, thank you. So myself and my husband, we were actually like her caretakers for a bit. And so after that, my own way of grief, it was almost like I then, you know, some people when they're a caretaker and like 
the person dies. They feel kind of guilty because they have more freedom in their time. But what I did with my time is I just got back into hobbies and reading books and joining book clubs. And then I started to think like, this is kind of the stuff I want to do on the side. I don't want to do workshops and courses. They're not fun. They're not really that successful anyways. I'd rather, you know, use my time outside of therapy doing something I love. And then the podcast just sort of happened. And okay, so that nerd thing, it's a podcast where I interview people in fandom or who are prominent figures in fandom or just nerds about the things that they love, the things that they're nerdy about. And we just have a conversation about it. And it's just been a lot of fun. So far, Laura and Andrew, you both have been guests on the show. Pam, we have a date scheduled that we're going to record. And yeah. It's so good to, because obviously I think we're a little more familiar with the background of the show, but I think it's really good as a plug for the show to give people that insight into what inspired it. Um, Because you're so right that people can, I think, oftentimes pigeonhole themselves into thinking about what is the right way to grieve. And the reality is there's no manual for how to grieve. And you found a way to really sink your teeth into the things that make you joyful to fill that space in your life. And I think that's so beautiful. Thank you. It's also like life is short. We should spend it at least as often as we can doing the things that do bring us joy and are really fulfilling and not trying to just do what we think is the right thing to do. And then you look back, right. of course, later on in life and you think, why didn't I, let's say, start that podcast or why didn't yeah, I try that date that person or go to that concert? You know, that type of thing. We invited Morgan to today's podcast because this is going to be released on Valentine's Day. We wanted to get this episode out before Valentine's Day because we are going to be talking about love languages today. They get so much attention and we're going to dive deep into those on today's episode. And maybe we'll come up with a couple of new love languages because we've got some ideas. The guy who created the original five, he's 80 now. He's not down with the times like we are. So we're going to come up with a couple of additional (laughs) love languages today. Morgan, I did have one more quick question for you pertaining to podcasting. For any listeners who might be thinking of starting their own podcast like you just did recently, what's one piece of advice you would give them at the outset? If you have a topic that you love to talk about so much that you don't care how long it'll take you to edit or even if anybody ever listens to it, then I would recommend starting that podcast because you're, it's something that you're so passionate about that you're not necessarily only doing it for the outcome. Right. You're doing it for yourself. It's creatively fulfilling. Yeah. Stretching your creative muscles. Yeah. yeah. I like that. That's good advice. Well, before we get into love languages, we wanted to address a A couple of items, newsy items at the top of the show. First of all, some bad news for everybody. Mickey Mouse no longer loves us. Disney Plus has announced a crackdown on password sharing. And Pam, you pointed out the timing of this is very mean. Yeah. So the password sharing goes into effect on March 14th, right? And Disney Plus is set to um, premiere the Eras Tour film. Taylor's version with extra content on the 15th. So they're literally (laughs) taking away password sharing the day before this huge event that they know people are going to be tuning into. And I clocked that so fast. It's like, I see what you're doing, Disney Plus. We see you, Mickey Mouse. I'm sure Minnie wouldn't approve of this. She's a huge Swifty fan. She wouldn't like this. Oh, 100%. It also feels like the opposite of a friendship bracelet. Like it's the anti-friendship bracelet (laughs) to take away password sharing. They said if you want want to be friends, you have to pay. (laughs) Yes. Friendship is transactional. Give Bob Iger more of your money, please. <laughs> oh, no. That is a bummer. I currently split Disney Plus with my family. So I, I guess I'm not using Disney Plus anymore. I don't know. I don't use it too much to begin with. My sister uses it all the time because she has three little kids. Yeah. I, honestly, I was about to cancel after Percy Jackson ended. That's pretty much that was my holdup. I really wanted to see Percy Jackson season one. And I was just going to like cancel for a few months and come back later if anything else piqued my interest i will probably i'm not gonna lie to you guys i'll probably just keep it through march 15th but then after that i'm gonna cut 
ties for a while. Yeah. Well, don't worry. It'll be released on Blu-ray at some point, this Taylor Swift movie, and then you can just buy that. That's my whole thing. Like, I, I really hate this new um, trend of things just like not also being released on DVD. I would be happy to own it. I think I talked to you guys about that, too, when we were talking about the movie coming out like on the rental platforms. I was like, I would rather just like wait, buy it on Blu-ray. Do I have a DVD player? No, but that's not going to stop me. So, <laughs> Blu-ray player Taylor's version. It's just exclusively yeah, exactly. dedicated to playing <laughs> that movie. They make more money off of um, forcing people into subscriptions for these things though. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that's what they're angling for. Yeah. I've gotten so many emails too. Like, uh, and by so many, many, I mean two from Disney saying, by the way, we're updating our terms. So like if you oh, have yeah. people that are not in your household, you should kick them off before we like take action against you, which is so extreme. I Ew. got that email, too. Yeah, it says we're adding limitations on sharing your account outside of your household and explaining how we may assess your compliance with these limitations. But of course, none of us actually pay attention to yeah. the terms and conditions. So it's like, pfft, whatever. Well, yeah, I, I actually did read it because I, I was like, I honestly was curious to see if they were going to add like um, something like Netflix has done where you could pay extra to keep people on your plan. Not that we were going to do that, but I was just curious. And the funniest part of that entire email is that they're basically threatening to revoke your Disney Plus access. Like, give me a break. You guys are not going to like willingly delete subscribers and ban them from giving you money. It's no. not going to happen. <laughs> so. Yeah. It'll just be a message like this. Uh, you are connecting to Disney Plus from outside of the main household or the household. however Netflix yeah. does it right now. Pam, I'm proud of you, though, for reading the terms and conditions for a platform. <laughs> I think you're the first person on the Internet to ever do that. I, I honestly don't usually at all. I just sign my life away willingly like <laughs> right. everyone else. I was just curious about a couple things. And so I started skimming it. I was like, this is like scary language. And for what? Nobody's actually going to get penalized for trying to keep people on their account. I'm deeming Pam Millennial's Terms and Conditions correspondent. You can read it for <laughs> any, every platform so we don't have to. Give us the TLDR. (laughs) Let us know. What are we signing away? Are we signing away our firstborn? Mm -hmm. Are we agreeing to fork over our social security number? And God knows what else. I can feel my anxiety spiking already. (laughs) She's like, I'm not a lawyer. No. I just want to read these in the comfort of my own home for myself. I took one law class and it would not help here. (laughs) So, Laura, we have a political update too, right? Yeah. So just a couple of quick unfortunately, Supreme Court and Trump related updates. Um, One of them is more of just like a non update with a little bit of a prediction. So y'all remember that Colorado's Supreme Court uh, agreed to boot Donald Trump off the presidential ballot in Colorado for this year. Um, That case was appealed up to the Supreme Court court has heard that case. We don't have their official decision on this yet, but we have heard um, some of the arguments and some of the presentations being given to the Supreme Court. And it seems like we can expect the Supreme Court of the United States to strike down that ruling and allow Trump to remain on the ballot in Colorado. And I just wanted to say here that This is actually a case where if this is where the court comes down, I am in agreement with their ruling to allow Trump to stay on the ballot in Colorado. Please don't at me. I don't love it. I think it's a little bit hypocritical, especially for the conservative justices who really position themselves to be um, strict interpreters of the intent of the Constitution, because I think if that's how they operated... Uh, consistently, they might have different opinions than they do sometimes. But I think in the end, you would see a domino effect here if the court were to say, yes, you can take Trump off the ballot. Supreme Court decisions then are applicable to the rest of the country. So you would see a domino effect of states wanting to take Biden off the ballot. And that's not really going to be constructive (laughs) this year. We don't want that to happen. So this is a Mm -hmm. case where I actually think it's for the best. But also just wanted to include, we talked last week about the D.C. circuit courts 
scathing immunity opinion <laughs> on Trump's appeal for presidential immunity, no matter what he's done. Um, he did end up appealing that decision to the Supreme Court today, the day that we are recording the show, as predicted last week. We don't know when we're going to hear anything more from the court about this, but figured we would mention it quickly. Okay. Yeah. And I think you're right uh, when it comes to that ruling out of Colorado. As much as I enjoyed being in Colorado on New Year's Eve and posting on Instagram, Happy New Year's from the Trump is canceled (laughs) state, I think you're right. All right. We will get into our discussion on love languages in a moment. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. So, Morgan, we are very excited to have you on today again to help us discuss the five and maybe more love languages. Just to get everybody up to speed first, I wanted to share the origin story of these five love languages. Three decades ago, Gary Chapman, a then 50-year-old Southern Baptist pastor with a doctorate in adult education, introduced the concept to the world with his seminal book, The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts. People have different ways of expressing and understanding love, Dr. Chapman explained, and in order to make your partner feel loved, you simply need to speak that person's language. As the book's introduction notes, your emotional love language and the language of your spouse may be as different as Chinese from English. No matter how hard you try to express love in English, if your spouse understands only Chinese, you will never understand how to love each other. So we'll discuss that dynamic as well today. The five love languages, words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and receiving gifts. Of course, like any good millennials, we took a BuzzFeed quiz to determine (laughs) our love language. Though, of course, we probably have a sense of what our love languages are, even without the help of good old BuzzFeed. The quiz thought my love language is words of affirmation. And this is actually what I thought my top love language was platonically anyway. So I was glad I got this result. I got quality time. And do you agree with that? So it's interesting. I feel like this has kind of shifted for me over time. I also don't know, and we'll probably get into this over the course of the conversation, I don't know that anybody only has one love language. And I and I definitely think as you mature, as you age, um, particularly if you're in a long-term relationship that's growing over time, I think it can shift. So for the longest time, and I think to a certain extent, it's still real, I felt like mine was physical touch. And I want to give a big qualifier here. I think one of the big critiques of Gary Chapman and this framework is that physical touch is often seen as, I just need to fuck. <laughs> I just need sex. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. <laughs> but but there, there are some people who will couch that in the terms of physical touch being my love language. And what it means for me is just, I'm a very physically affectionate person. So that doesn't necessarily even have to be romantic affection. It can be with friends too. I love hugs and I like to be close to people that I'm comfortable with and that I'm really, you know, really, really close to emotionally. And that can manifest romantically and, um, I think, on on sort of like a platonic basis, too. To that point, some friends I've noticed will like maybe they'll grab your arm in like a really funny moment. You know, they're having a laugh. So they grab your arm or they grab your shoulder or something like that. That's not something I personally do. That's me. Yeah, that's me, too. <laughs> so I feel you. Pam, what did BuzzFeed tell you? Um, I got acts of service, which I can definitely see. I would agree with that, although I think the last time I took a quiz for love languages, I got words of affirmation, which also feels like it makes sense. Yeah. And Morgan, I mean, you're a therapist. You don't need BuzzFeed to (laughs) decode things for you. But what did BuzzFeed tell you? (laughs) First of all, I love quizzes, so I will take any quiz that you send my way. (laughs) Therapists, they're just like us. (laughs) (laughs) I got quality time, which, to be honest, I was shocked because I love to be alone. 
and, you know, have time to myself, I'm pretty sure mine is acts of service. So, you know, take things off my to-do list, I think, and lessen that burden. That's what I kind of resonate with. So I was, I was shocked to see that result, to be honest. Okay. All right. We got a diverse mix of uh, answers here. So that's nice. Dr. Gary Chapman and his book have actually been seen as problematic. He's actually been considered homophobic and sexist. He was homophobic in a now deleted column on his website and in his Five Love Languages book. He encourages a woman to not only submit to her husband, who she's having difficulty connecting with, but actively pursue aggressively having intercourse with her husband until their problems were resolved. And when the woman protested the notion of being required to be intimate with someone who mistreated her and refused to go to counseling, he instructed her that you'll probably have to rely heavily on your faith in God in order to do this. So, bleh. That's Um, fucking gross. Yes. I can't stand him. Mm-hmm. Every time I saw his name in the Google Doc, I was just like <laughs> rolling my eyes. I guess like, he shouldn't laugh. <laughs> no, that's okay. I was just thinking that he's not even a lit I don't know what his degree is, but he's not qualified, in my opinion, to no. give this sort of hmm. yeah. he's like a Dr. Phil. Yes, 100 percent And yet his five love languages, his collection of them, if you will, has stuck. We hear people talking about love languages all the time. I've heard about love languages over the years, but I never actually went looking and thinking about my own love languages until like maybe three months ago. And it was so interesting, actually, to read up on them and see talk on TikTok about them. And that's one reason I was excited about uh, about having this discussion today, because it felt new to me. Was that inspired by the fact that you're social now? Do you feel like this is helping with these new relationships you're making, even though they're platonic? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And actually, one of these people who I met here, he he really loosens up after he has a drink or two. He's Mormon. So, you know, he's a bit of a lightweight. And uh, <laughs> he, he was like asking about love languages after he had a drink or two. He was like, so what's everybody's love languages? I'm like, OK. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Let me Google that on BuzzFeed really quick. Right, exactly. <laughs> on BuzzFeed really quick. Don't, uh, don't encourage him to listen to last week's episode where we talked about the uh, whiskey we were making. <laughs> the and soaking. A Mormon joke came up <laughs> the in the soaking. midst of that conversation. Oops. Living in Vegas, close to Utah, you encounter a lot of Mormons here. I, and I love them. They're great. They can take the Mormon jokes on the chin. They know. They know what's up. Morgan. You are not a fan of Dr. Gary Chapman. However, are these love languages still useful in helping us with our everyday relationships? Yeah, definitely. Because they, I I think learning about the concept and then getting in touch with how you experience love and learning more about yourself can help strengthen our relationships, you know, romantic relationships, friendships, relationships with family, and then also learning just the concept of thinking like, wait a second, this person experiences experiences love differently than I do, I think can strengthen relationships so that we're not because, you know, people show love differently. And then, you know, someone might do something for you that you wouldn't necessarily view as love, but it's their love language. And there's just that mismatch there. And then you get to realize, oh, what they did for me actually should mean a lot to me because that's their way of expressing love. Whereas otherwise you may not have realized that, oh, this is their, their way of expressing love. Yeah. Romantic or platonic. And I think the, the real love comes from wanting to know what your partner's love language is and then trying to meet it. I think sometimes people think, well, you know, they should just know this is how I receive love. And then there's that mind reading issue that comes in where I think it's more meaningful if you say, you know, this is how I feel loved. And then that person then actively wants to do that for you because it shows that they care and want to show you love. Yeah. Or I guess the opposite, right? Like, this is what makes me not feel loved, you know, and, and use that as your guidepost too to understand if, you know, this behavior resonates with this person in a way that makes them feel either not considered. Um, or just not cared for, that that can resonate as the absence of love rather than making them feel loved. Totally. 
Morgan, I'm just curious, do you use this framework or anything like it in your own practice? Yeah, more in the terms of needs and wants and being able to say, like, this is what I need from you or saying, like, what do you need from me? Or even just saying, like, what what do I'll say to my clients, what do you need from this person to feel loved and focusing on that and getting really specific? Also, that's one thing I kind of don't like about the love languages is that they're so broad when I think we're so complex and there's so many different ways that we could feel loved and they could change over time. They can change depending on what we're experiencing. They could change depending on the person. So I like the concept, but I just, I don't like the creator. And I think maybe that's just, you know, creating a bias in my mind, but. Well, I I think like Justin in our uh, chat is saying, it's absolutely crazy how we rally around these things that people 20, 50, hundreds of years ago say, and we just keep (laughs) propagating. But I think that speaks to just how rock solid this type of idea is and how helpful people have found it. Why do you think clients bring these love languages up all the time? Is it because of all the attention on social media and podcasters like us talking about it? (laughs) Probably. But I think it's also great that people are talking about everything. You know, a lot of therapists complain about TikTok because there's a lot of people self-diagnosing. But I also think it's really reducing the stigma when it comes to mental health and also exploring ourselves and what we want and what we need. And I think there's a, a lot more of an emphasis on people trying to understand why they are the way that they are. And I think love languages just are a natural way to explore that. And people yeah. love talking about like love, sex and relationships. Because it's it's getting to what fulfills them. Yeah. So, you know, I it, I don't know how deep you want to get into some psychological theory, but there's a lot of theories saying that the type of love that we want to receive is either the love we didn't receive as a child. And so we're trying to fill that void or it's the way that we were used to receiving love. So we're just continuing that pattern. Interesting. Well, I mean, for me and with words of affirmation, I would say it's the former because I was bullied in school. I wasn't getting words of affirmation. And now I use that as my love language in terms of how I express love to others because I always wanted to receive that, but never did growing up. Yeah. So you really took that in as a way to show love is just thoughtful and appreciative words. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We actually have Morgan here because like I needed a free therapy session. So that's what's <laughs> actually going on. Did you run out of free <laughs> sessions through BetterHelp, Andrew? Is that what happened? My my credit card is maxed out for the month. <laughs> you know, there's a TikTok trend going around about that right now, about your credit card declining in therapy. Have you seen any of those? No. Yeah. So that you bring something instead, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Morgan, let's just run through the five love languages individually and maybe talk about them briefly. So first of all, tell us about words of affirmation. So that is really just kind, thoughtful, genuine words of appreciation that you're sharing with somebody. It could be compliments. It could be things that you like about them, things that you noticed. It really is just your words. I think another reason I love having words of affirmation as my love language is because I can be pretty creative and thoughtful in my writing. I've always considered it my best mode of communication, even more so than just like talking live on a podcast. I love just thinking about my words and writing allows that. Whereas in the podcasting world, everything's just happening like off the cuff. You don't have much time to think, blah, 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 blah. Words of affirmation written out, texted, written on a piece of paper, whatever. I can kill it in that department. Making friends here in the last year, wrote people here a bunch of uh, Christmas cards, and I loved writing some meaningful stuff for them to express my appreciation for them over the last few months. Sometimes people also really love words of affirmation because they just didn't get a lot of that growing up. And I think that's also a generational thing where our parents were kind of not really emotionally expressive. And so hearing that now hits a part of us that maybe we didn't get to access before. Do you find that um, people can sometimes have a hard time expressing words of affirmation in person, in conversation? I know, Andrew, you're talking about writing really thoughtful notes and letters, which is one way that you can do words of affirmation. I think it can also be a challenge for people to do that in person. I know recently 
I've been trying to make more of an effort to do this in my own relationship. Like, it occurred to me the other day that Mark did something that I was actually just really thankful for. And it wasn't anything that was like... I guess, world changing to anyone but me. But I felt compelled in the moment to be like, hey, you know what? I really appreciated that you did that because X, Y, and Z, you know? And maybe we should make, I said to him, it's like, maybe we should make an effort when we have those moments of realization just throughout the day of like, oh, I'm really glad that she did that or that he did that. We should just say it. I think it's because we often will have, as people, those realizations, but we don't vocalize them. Do you find that people have a hard time doing that, Morgan? All the time. People hold in everything. And I think it's just something that we're not used to. So, Laura, the way that you're saying, like, he, it sounds like he did actually an act of service, and then you responded with words of affirmation. I always recommend that. Always express your appreciation. Sometimes it can take some courage to offer words of affirmation depending on the situation. But I think for me, I can also see the power of my words when I'm when I'm really trying to offer quality words of affirmation. And that motivates me to keep it up. Also, to your point, Laura, saying thank you is just such a simple gesture. Baseline. Yeah. Just say thank you. It's actually kind of surprising how many people, and it might have to do with how they were raised. They just didn't get it uh, drilled into their head maybe as much as they should have, but just saying thank you for things. I say thank you for every freaking little thing. Thanks for sharing. Somebody sent me a meme earlier today. I said, thanks for sharing it. (laughs) Like, I really thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that's cute. I think that extends to the workplace too. It's almost like Mm -hmm. kindness is free. And so I'm just like, why don't you just say thank you to everybody? Like, thanks for doing that. You did a good job. It's not hard to do, but it's almost like um, corporate America likes to keep those compliments close to the chest because they don't want to give you like too much um, motivation all at once. And that's so dumb because everyone's burned out these days. And it would be such an easy way to just let people know that you appreciate what they're doing. I think about this yeah. all the time. Preach. Just a simple thank you via email. If we're in the, mm-hmm. speaking about the world of corporate America, sometimes I send people stuff like episodes after I finish editing. Sometimes I don't get back a thank you. And like, I know they appreciate it, but how much effort is it to just say thank you? And it also acknowledges that you received it. I mean, Google freaking pre-writes emails for you these days. You just click a thank you button and it writes it and then sends it. You barely have to do any work. And look, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I can get better at this, but I really do try to say thank you in the professional world as often as possible because I want people to know that their work is appreciated. Yeah. And a relationship tip to help in your relationships when you say thank you, also say, I felt really cared for or I felt loved or, you know, whatever feeling it is when you did this. Because imagine if you that heard that. a lot. Yeah. 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 This made my day. So, yeah. Good call. All right. Number two, quality time. So that's spending time with somebody, but not just spending time with them passively, even though I do think passive, like spending time together is another love language. But in the terms of the five love languages, quality time is spending time with somebody with your undivided attention. You're very aware of what you're doing with them. You're paying attention to them. You're not distracted. You might be reflecting back to them what they're saying to you to make sure you heard them correctly, just giving them all of your attention so that it's quality time spent together. So let me ask you, if you and your partner or you and your friend are watching TV, would that be considered quality time? And I mean that seriously, because like you're not really giving your attention to them because you're watching the TV. So I think that would be considered more of passive quality time. And I also think it depends on what it means to you and the person watching, because if it's something that's so significant that you know you're doing it together, I would count it. And maybe talking during it. Yeah, I I kind of feel like it means because I'm somebody who got quality time from that quiz. And excuse me for the shitty voice quality this week. I'm recovering from a cold, if you couldn't tell. Um, But to me, quality time can also mean being so comfortable with a person that we can exist in each other's orbit. And there's no obligation that We have to do anything, but we can just be so comfortable operating as we are, bare bones, 
nobody's actively doing anything um and we can just kind of show up uh as the you know most slovenly versions of ourselves that day and be good with it you know so i yeah. think that's to me at least that is a version of quality time number 3 physical touch we were talking about this a little bit earlier it's not just banging right morgan <laughs> and laura right no it is <laughs> <laughs> any form of physical touch that whatever you're comfortable with. Some people just love to hold hands or to be hugged or to have a shoulder rub or something like that. Caress their hands. I like slapping Pat's butt. Is I mean, that's that's right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yep. Totally counts. All right. Just checking. Cool. <laughs> Number four, acts of service. So this is my favorite one, probably because it's the one I identify with the most, but it's really doing something that can help the other person. So and it could be minor, such as, you know, making them a cup of coffee before they wake up so that they don't have to spend time doing that. Just taking tasks off of their to do list and easing their burden, doing things for them. I like doing that. when when I really care about somebody. I love doing acts of service. It excites me. It's and I think part of it comes from working from home, kind of having the same old, same old day in, day out. It's fun to shake up the day. And do something for somebody else who might need it because they're busy or just knowing that it will improve their day. Andrew, you keep talking about the ways that you love to show love to people, but how do you want to receive love? Oh, that's <laughs> for somebody to he told have. us he wants acts. I mean, he wants uh, what is it? Words of affirmation. Somebody touch my butt. Yeah, yeah no. Um, <laughs> words of affirmation definitely go a long way for me. And the person I've connected with most here in Vegas on my cute little Bumble journey, um, him and I are very good with the words of affirmation for each other. And it good. just means it means everything to me. Yeah. So that. And if he touched my butt, too, that'd be a no. <laughs> Clear it Lauren and I are taking first. notes. It's like, touch Andrew's butt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number five, receiving gifts. Yeah, so this isn't just about getting a gift for somebody, but it's also about the thought that goes into it, thinking about the person, the time that it takes to then go pick out the gift and purchase it, and then sometimes maybe even wrapping it or making it look very nice. Like It's all of that that goes into it and then giving the gift. Okay, well, that transitions nicely into what else we wanted to talk to you about here with these love languages. What are the common misconceptions amongst these five? I would say the biggest misconception is that you can only have one love language. I really think we could have so many. They could exist at the same time. They change depending on the person, the time in our life, and what our needs are. That makes sense. Okay. Well, maybe we should each pick our top two or three then. So clearly, I'm at words of affirmation, and I think acts of service. Like, Laura, do you remember that time I you thought I was going to have a hellish editing day and you door dashed me, Duncan? That was so cute. I was thinking about that last week. Oh, I'm Aww. so glad that stuck with you. And see, little things like that really do stick with you. If somebody just yes. does something nice and thoughtful, it doesn't have to have taken a lot of time or cost a lot of money just to show, hey, I was thinking of you. Hey, my audio file was a disaster. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 you didn't have to do that. I wasn't even right, dreading it. Right. You know, it was like you know, just same old, same old, not with Laura, but just that's that's the work I do. <laughs> that's what I do. Fix audio. Um. So, yeah, I would say my two love languages that I like to receive are words of affirmation and acts of service. But then I also think I like to send those out too. like those are the top two that I send out yeah. or try to. I would say I'm quality time and physical touch. I'll still put that up there. Again, I'm not asking anyone on this panel to have sex with me. Um, it's more just when I see you, I probably want to get some good quality one-on-one -on -one time with you or like small group time with you. And I would love a really big hug. That's so wholesome. No, I'm with Andrew. Mine are words of affirmation and acts of service too. I think acts of service is probably how I express that I care the most, but like, I don't know if it comes across because it does, you know, I, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, well, that's nice. No, but like, I mean, I, I think Morgan was saying that sometimes like people don't know that you're like, or like if somebody doesn't want to be loved that way. So like, let's just say like, um, 
I was thinking about this actually last Christmas. This is like a bit of a tangent, but for the last few years, because we have such a big family, usually my brother and I will just like split however much we spend for Christmas gifts. Right. So I'll just like do all the shopping acts of service so he doesn't have to do it. And then I'll just like send him a Venmo request and like the like the eldest daughter I am. Right. Just get everything done, get all the ducks in a row, wrap all the presents. And then last year I was thinking about it. I was like, well, maybe he wants to wrap presents. Maybe he wants to like pick out some gifts. So I texted him and I was like, hey, like, do you like want to pick out gifts? Because I could just send you money if you want. Or like, do you want to wrap anything? Do you want to like and he's like, no, he's like, I appreciate that you do that, like, because I'm busy. And I was like, OK, this is good to know. But sometimes I do kind of like stop to think like maybe it's like smothering. Yeah. You know, that's something I see a lot with people in relationships is that they feel like they're doing all of those acts of service. But then the other person, that's not how they typically experience love. So they don't view it that way. And then, you know, there's kind of a, com- a conflict there. If that makes sense. Yeah, it totally um, makes sense. Any other misconceptions you want to address, Morgan? Sure. Um, That gift giving is materialistic because as we can see, it's not because of that thought that can go into it. And what we were talking about earlier, you know, in terms of the physical touch that most men value physical touch the most. Research shows that that's actually not true. Oh, interesting. Okay. So let's talk about having more than one love language. We've been addressing this. Is it possible to have all five? I guess so. It's like some extent. Totally. I mean, can't you think of, you know, an example for all of these that would work for you in some way, making you feel loved? A hundred percent. And you can think of examples where maybe you haven't gotten those things where it it's like really obvious which one of the love language you were languages you were missing in the moment. Or even times where you fucked up <laughs> and you're the one who didn't give that to somebody who needed it. Well, speaking of the different directions, Morgan, is it more important to know your own love language or your partner or friend's love language? My opinion is that it's really important to know your own love language and learn about yourself and what helps you feel loved before even reaching out to anybody else. Because it's really hard for us to get attuned with somebody else. If I mean, a lot of people might disagree with me, but I really think pure like really meaningful relationships come from us having our own self insight and we don't have to really know what our partner's love language is and you know in mind read we could just say what what do you need from me like what do you need from me in this moment what do you need from me in general and then doing those specific behaviors when you can you can convey that to your friends too right like the types of things that you like Yeah. That are most important to you. Yeah. You can say I and it kind of like what we were talking about before. If they do something, point it out to them. Like, I feel really loved when you do this or I really Mm -hmm. enjoy spending time with you or hugging you feels so nice. Like things like that. It was great talking to you today. Yeah. Like I said at the top of this, the creator of the five love languages, he said there there can't be a sixth because He covered everything pretty well in those five, which I kind of see the point. However, he's an elderly gentleman now. He's not down with the times. I actually thought a couple weeks ago, and I said on air, and I think that's what partly inspired doing this discussion today for Valentine's Day, I genuinely feel like sending somebody social media posts like daily or, you know, at least a few times a week is a love language. Because it says you're thinking about that person while you are on social media. And you also think, I can bother this person with this post. And you also, you're also thinking this person would like this. Yeah. And you're also taking time out of whatever you're doing to think about that person. You're, you're fitting them in. Pam, what are you smiling about? I was just thinking that um, every time you see something about an M dash, you always t- text me or tag me. Yeah, you're the queen <laughs> of M dashes. <laughs> yeah, and I just think that that's so funny that that is like the thing that you associate with me. But I love it. I really appreciate it. But it's so funny because I think that like you have to get into the mindset of understanding that you're not bothering people because everybody likes to be acknowledged or like to be perceived yeah. on some level. Right. That's an important reminder. I always feel like I'm, I'm bothering people. No, you should. I really do. But feel like, that If way. it makes you feel better, like I, I 
took what you said months ago way too literally about you never wanting to get TikToks because you don't open them. So I just haven't been sending you shit for the longest. I, I mean, I've evolved on this matter a little bit. It, from certain people, I accept them. but I. So then it's like, oh, okay, well, Andrew wants more of that. I could definitely do that. I give you <laughs> permission. Fine. I give everybody here permission to send me videos. And there's like three other people on the planet who I like receiving videos from and than nobody else at all, yeah. period. Yeah, finally, he like changed his mind and I was like, news to me. <laughs> I don't like receiving videos, especially when it changes my algorithm. Oh, yeah, it's kind of dangerous. Oh. But see, the thing is, I feel like the people who kind of chronically send me videos are people who are sending me things that kind of already fit into my algorithm anyway. So for instance, when Andrew and Pam send me something, it's never super far off base of what I look at anyway, because they understand who I am as a person. I think that's a big part of it. We're all rolling in the same dirt. Yeah, <laughs> we really are. And and to this point, not just sharing social media posts, but really sharing. And I think, Pam, you've you've shared this a few times over the years on the podcast, just like even when you're out and about and you see something, you send them you send a friend mm-hmm. a picture of something funny you see in the store or whatever. It feels good to be reminded that that person is thinking about you from time to time. Yeah, I try and do that fairly regularly because it's like sometimes the stuff, the thing is just too good not to send, you know, and then you can bond over that. You can have a nice little chat. It's also a nice way to like break the ice if you haven't talked to somebody in a while. Yeah. Too. Yep. You know, sometimes life happens. Things go by. You haven't checked in with somebody in a couple of weeks. But like, hey, I saw this thing and I thought of them. Let me catch catch them and send this over and we can just like check in with each other and see how things are going so i i feel the same way about not wanting to bother people and the way that i sort of get through that is to just remind myself that they can tell me if i'm bothering them it's not up to me to yeah. decide what they can handle okay mm-hmm. okay true very true so lauren pam uh this just inspired me i have something to tell you both okay <laughs> You bother me. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry. Sorry, man. From one uh, extreme to the other. I'm at my limit. Unfortunately for Andrew, he's well, uh, stuck with us. So <laughs> Too bad. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're going to propose more love languages in a moment. But first, a quick break. We'll be right back. Pam, why don't you take this next one? I think uh, this was your idea. So remembering someone's drink order or like just something that they like, I feel like uh, that's just something you can do very easily. So like, for example, if Andrew was coming for breakfast, I wouldn't put creamer in his coffee because I know that he likes black coffee. But then if Laura was coming over, I'd be like, do you want to break into my super fancy coffee syrups? Because I know you like a little bit of that. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, you would. (laughs) (laughs) Even like alcoholic drink. I mean, I think the three of us are pretty easy because we all just like some variation of and soda or and tonic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point, too, though. Like knowing a friend's favorite beer, maybe or. Yeah. So that if they're coming over, you can just be like, I have that for you. Yeah. What I like to do, like for Pat in particular, is I have a little page in my notes app where if he mentions something that he wants, let's say it's like six months away from his birthday, I'll just write it down now and I'll get back to it around his birthday or Christmas. But I've also been trying to do this with friends, just like not keeping notes about it, but just trying to remember for like a future birthday, like, oh, they said they really liked this. So I'll surprise them with that. Or like, for example, a friend here, he was baking bagels a couple of weeks ago. And I showed he gave me some that he baked, which, of course, was very nice. But I showed him I was like, look, I'm finally using my bagel slicer to cut bagels. I never actually use this. But now, thanks to your kindness, I get to use it. He's like, wow, you're fancy with one of those. I was like, OK, note to self, get him a freaking bagel slicer for his birthday. Right. <laughs> so it's just remembering yeah. little things like that. And it can go a long way in the long term, I think. Yeah, and that's something Pam did kind of recently for me um, when we did our Secret Santa exchange. She happened to get me for Secret Santa this last year, um, but I also happened to have a birthday right before Christmas, so she included 
birthday present for me. And it was um, Korean sunscreen from a couple of brands that we had talked about on the show that I had expressed a lot of interest in trying to track down for myself. So she did me the solid of going out and getting them and sending them to me so I could try them out. And uh, I'm almost out of the uh, God, I can never remember the, the name of the one in the tube. Beauty of oh the beauty of Josem beauty yes yeah. the one AOC was was yeah uh, the AOC sunscreen <laughs> it's so good my fave and then this last one here I've kind of touched on this over the years as a way of really connecting with somebody showing genuine interest in somebody else's passion or hobby by asking questions and engaging even if you don't care about that thing that topic. I've shared before I in uh, community college, I took this interpersonal communication class and it was one of my favorite classes ever with one of my favorite teachers ever. And he shared this example. I love trains. It means the world to me when somebody talks about trains with me, even if they don't care about trains and then asking me all these train oriented questions. And I've always carried that with me because it's such a simple thing to do. Let's say. Laura tells me we're on a date or, you know, a friend date. And she's like, I love Green Day. I don't care about Green Day, but I'm still going to ask her about Green Day like I do care. And we all would love to get that back in return. Morgan, would this go under another one of the five love languages or is this like kind of outside of it? Maybe words of affirmation or quality time? Oh, that's a good question. I guess so. I guess it would sort of go under that quality time words of affirmation. And when you are having this conversation, if it is really difficult for you to come up with questions, I always think it's helpful to then ask about the emotions. Like, what is it like for you to love Green Day? What is your favorite thing about Green Day? Like really getting into the emotional side of it, because it's easier sometimes for us to connect with that if we don't really like the content. Why do they mean so much to you? When did you first fall in love with them? What's your favorite album? What's your favorite song? This is so easy, people. I'll just uh, give a shout out to Morgan here because I know that she is also a Green Day aficionado, much like myself. (laughs) Did you bond over that on that nerd thing? We did. I love it. Well, Morgan, this has been a great discussion on love languages. This is really, and I don't think it's just my hoodie that I'm wearing today. It's made me feel all warm and cozy. It's just (laughs) been, it's been nice talking about love and how to express love and receive love. So thanks for all all your help today and feedback. Thank you. And if I could give one tip, it would be don't be afraid to ask for what you need or say what you need to feel loved. I love that. So Morgan is going to stick around with us for After Dark this week. What is coming up in After Dark this week, Pam? We are continuing our friend series. This is something that we kind of started off the cuff in January and We've been going strong. So this is part three. And we're going to use this TikTok trend that also started at the top of the year called loud budgeting to talk about how, um, you know, like money can sometimes put a strain on your relationships, whether platonic or romantic, especially if you don't have as much expendable income as somebody else. And hopefully we'll also leave you all with some tips as to how to keep those boundaries up if you need to, while also sharing some stories from the past or present ourselves. So it should be a fun discussion. Sounds great. After Dark is part of Mega Millennial, which is the main show ad-free with After Dark attached to the end. And if you're a Spotify user, you can tap into the show, then click the Patreon banner. You'll be able to access the Patreon audio benefits like Mega Millennial right within Spotify. And we have other Patreon benefits. For example, the executive producers and the bays get our brand new roll call benefit in which we're surprised calling each other and shooting the shit for a while. The first two that we've done are very fun. So don't miss out on listening to those. And our executive producer tier gets you inside access to two of our planning meetings per month. And then, of course, you can hang out in our virtual recording studio as about probably a dozen people are tonight. And they're discussing the show in real time with fellow listeners in our Discord. Plus, you get access to our planning docs, you get a new physical gift every year, and many other things, all at patreon.com slash millennial. 
And whether you support us through Patreon or Apple Podcasts, you do get Mega Millennial, but you also get discounted access to our benefits with seven-day free trials and annual subscriptions. Morgan, you are one of our supporters, so thank you very much for your support. We really appreciate it. I will support all of you forever, no matter what you put out there. Oh, that makes me feel loved. Yeah, that's our love language. <laughs> support on Patreon. Support us on Patreon. <laughs> we just found another one. Um, time for recommendations. What do you have, Laura? Uh, so, sorry, Chloe, uh, but my recommendation this week is if you're sick and you have the option of staying home, because I understand there are a lot of people who don't necessarily have the option of staying home when they're sick. But if you're one of the people who can stay home, stay home. Jesus fucking Christ. Do you have any this reason for I'm bringing sick this up? This week. Wait. Yeah, that's why big... I'm sick this week cuz I was in a space last week that did not uh mandate that anyone be there and yet a bunch of people turned up and were in the space coughing and hacking and sneezing and it was like none of you had to be here. <laughs> but you chose to be here. And now I'm sick and I'm mad about it. <laughs> Did you choose to be there? Yes, but I wasn't sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Got it. Okay. I wasn't sick. They wow. got me sick. This sounds like a like a big news item, Laura. Is it? <laughs> like, well, that that you went somewhere that you haven't been in a really long time. Yes, I I went somewhere that I haven't been in for years, and um, I don't know <laughs> when I'm going to be going back. I'm mad. <laughs> She's talking about the bathhouse she used to go to pre-COVID. Yes. Yes. She tried to spend some quality time there and it backfired. <laughs> exactly. We're Learned proud my of lesson. You. <laughs> We're proud that you stepped out of your comfort zone to uh to try that. Well, look what that got me. <laughs> yeah. Pain and suffering. Um, well, actually, on a related note, Laura, I've been wanting to recommend emergency, the powdered drink. These are great. Costco sells a big pack of them. We're slowly working through this big ass box from Costco. I don't know if they can say with certainty that these really do help prevent you from getting sick, but I feel like they really do help me. They've got zinc in them. They're loaded with vitamin C. And my understanding is that uh, between the vitamin C and the zinc, those two items really support your immune system. So whenever I'm like feeling like I got a little sickness coming on or whenever I've, let's say, just gone to a concert before and after, oh, maybe a flight too, I'm taking emergency just as a precaution. It can't hurt. I wanted to recommend a book and the title is very lengthy, so bear with me. It's called Where Are Your Boys Tonight? The Oral History of Emo's Mainstream Explosion 1999 to 2008. This is like the title says an oral history. So it's basically just interview transcripts. It's a pretty quick read as a result of that. But yeah, this is for all my fellow emo kids who know that it wasn't just a phase. Um, it's so much fun to read um, interviews from some of these band members or sometimes ex-band members who were there when the scene was really kicking off. There's interviews with My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy, Paramore, Panic at the Disco, Taking Back Sunday, Jimmy, World Dashboard, Confessional, so many others, too. So, yeah, if you're a fan of emo music, I would definitely check this out. This would probably make a good gift for somebody in your life, too, that is also a fan of this particular scene and time in music as well. Um, there's an audiobook that is available, but I would not recommend that because it's just narrated um, by, I think, two people. And so I, I just feel like it is a little bit harder to keep up with who is, quote unquote, talking since it is an oral history and therefore interview transcripts. So, yeah, I would just pick up the book or check it out from your library if you're interested. And Morgan, what do you recommend? I'm going to break the rules and I have two recommendations and I'll be super quick. The first one, I just, you know, thinking about music, two of my nieces just started a podcast. They're Gen Z. It's called oh. Long Live Taylor and they explore Taylor <laughs> Swift's lyrics. It's super oh, fun. I will be listening. I love that. <laughs> and they relate it to their <laughs> lives. It's really fun, really short. And I also recommend bookclubs.com. It's how I found my book clubs that I joined. So if you go to that website, you could just, they have virtual book clubs, but you could also put in your zip code and find local in-person book clubs. And if you don't have one near you, then you could start your own. It's really fun. 
That's a great idea. Thank you for sharing that. Make sure you're following the show in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Spotify also offers podcast listeners the option to submit feedback right within an individual episode page. You'll see a box under the Spotify episode player that says, what did you think about this episode that you can tap to use to send us feedback? As for other ways to contact us, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Threads. And over on TikTok, we are at Millennial Pod. Morgan, anything else we should plug really quick before signing off today from you? Sure. Uh, so you can find me at that nerd thing pod on Instagram and TikTok. And then you could find that nerd thing pod on Apple, Spotify and YouTube. So I would love for you to listen. And if you want to awesome. be a guest, by the way, email me. <laughs> hey, there you go. Thank you again, Morgan, so much for your expertise and all of uh, your contributions to today's episode. And we'll see you in After Dark, too. Yeah. Thank you so much. I love you all. You're amazing. And it's an honor to be here. So thank you. It's an honor to have you. And thank you for those words of affirmation, I'll have to say. (laughs) And hey, everyone should go check out Morgan's show, That Nerd Thing. It's Mm -hmm. really, really good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to listen to Laura's episode. I can't wait. To hear what's going on there and all your Green Day love. <laughs> I did cut out a part where I was talking about how Billy Joe shot a water gun at me at the concert because I was lis- listening to it. And I was like, I don't I don't know if I want this in. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. After Dark starts in a moment for patrons and Apple podcast subscribers. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Morgan. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.